If the man on the telly ever tells you to stay indoors, a fear of zombies, fuck that. You have to go rescue your mom, rescue your ex, go to the Winchester and just wait till this whole thing blows over. And we'll find out how everyone does it this week when we ask, is Shaun of the Dead a spooky movie? Welcome back to a special series on our podcast where this month we're on a quest to find movies that give us those spooky fall feels. With such a short amount of spooky month, it's important to decide which movies we should enjoy. So we join us every week this month as we ask a question, but is it a good movie? I'm your host, Ish, and with me, my co-host, Nick. That's me. And this week we watched Shaun of the Dead. Uh, not necessarily a uh, traditional spooky movie, but I think it has the elements of it. I don't know if you agree with that, Nick. Yeah, it got zombies in it. That's a a classic Halloween. Don't call him that, Nick. You oh. can't say the Z word. The Z word. The Z word. <laughs> um, the undead. The undead. The walkers, stragglers, whatever you want to call them. We all know what they are. Uh, this movie, I. It's funny watching it last night because I've always considered this one of my favorite movies because I really enjoy Edgar Wright. And almost anything he's ever made. But watching it last night, I forgot just how British this movie is oh compared my God, to his yeah. other ones. Um, so we watched mainly everything with subtitles. It's just easier. Yeah. You don't miss anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> we did not have subtitles on. I've been like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm usually pretty good. Like, I watched, um, I'm not sure if it's in the same if it's like in the same uh dialect or whatever but there was that uh oh my god fuck there was a show it was like orange is the new black but it was like australian okay basically i'm trying to remember the name of it but i watched that and i did not need subtitles for that Mm -hmm. and they had such a thick accent yeah for some reason in this movie i'm like i missed a lot of this i think it's just like the um the dialect and like the kind of words that they use um like it's it's weird because as an american some of the things that they say it's like i can't believe they just said that but it doesn't mean what we think it means yeah yeah there are a couple of things that like uh what they call cigarettes yeah it, exactly it always catches <laughs> me off guard i'm like would you call me yeah and it's like it's not even just because this movie's older it's just because they still call it that in england yeah. <laughs> or I think even in Australia, they'll call it that, the cigarettes that. Um, some of, like, their phrases, like, I think he was, like, cuck off, cuck off or cock off when he's, like, getting mad at that um, lottery machine at the bar. Oh, yeah. Or he's, like, cock it. <laughs> and then they, they say cunts a lot. Yeah, they do. They love that word. Mm-hmm. Not as much as Australians do. Oh, yeah. It's, it it almost means, like, two different things Yeah. when you cross the pond. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the first movie that we've seen so far that is across the pond. Um, I don't know if the first movie in the, this series that we've seen that's British since we started this podcast. Um, yeah, because uh, what they do in the shadows is New Zealand. It is New Zealand, yeah. So this might be the first uh, British movie. Yeah. So what might be, maybe <laughs> I can't remember that well. But uh, what is your experience with uh, Shaun of the Dead? I saw it years and years and years ago. Probably mm-hmm. maybe over ten years ago. Okay. Um, 
I was an impressionable youth, and I wanted to be cool. I wanted to mm-hmm. watch a, a horror-like movie, but also funny. Mm-hmm. And I did not get a lot of the jokes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just was kind of like, I wrote it off. Like, I was like, oh, whatever. And I think I watched it when I was a bit older. And I was like, oh, it's funny. Yeah. Watching it now, though, I don't know if I 100% care for this movie anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I know. I was very, like, excited to watch it. And after watching it, I was kind of like, I could have done without this movie. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think it's just because of, like, the age and like uh, you think like the age is showing or is it just like the british humor i think so i watched taskmaster if you know what that is no a very british comedy show okay and i and like i did think some parts of this movie were funny so it's not the humor being not american mm-hmm. i think honestly for me it's just i don't know i think i've seen it too many times and i kind of oh. was like bored Okay. Uh, nothing excited me, you know? Yeah. Uh, also, like, I don't like anybody in this movie. Like, no. actor, they're amazing. Characters, mm-hmm. hate everybody. Yeah. And that's what I want. I, I have to agree with you where it's like, yesterday when we were watching it, I wasn't... I was excited when the movie was starting. But then, as it was progressing, I was like, I forgot how much of this movie I actually remember. <laughs> And so, like you said, it was like there was nothing exciting that I was like, "Oh, are they gonna make it?" Or, or like I knew what was gonna happen next. So it's like I knew that Philip was gonna die in the car, and then they were gonna freak out. The one thing that I kind of forgot because of like how long ago I've seen this last is how annoying Nick Frost character is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what his name is like Ed. Ed. Ed is probably the most frustrating character of all of them. Yeah, I I don't like Ed, Sean, David, the mom. <laughs> the mom, um, yeah. Um, now, like, the mom is very, like, I don't know, traditionally the, like, oh, don't worry about me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck, man, like, that's annoying. <laughs> the mom is almost like that. I feel like it's a trope. Or it's like the dumb British mom. Who's like, oh, you want some biscuits? <laughs> yeah, no, the mom is very, uh, not, uh, is it clueless, would you say? I think it's just, maybe clueless. It, it almost feels like she's, like, high all the time, or just unaware, completely unaware. Like, she's very sheltered. Yeah, so, I don't know. Maybe, uh, because, like, she lost her first husband, mm-hmm. or, like, so maybe, like, you know, she never recovered from that, so she's very, like, airhead-like. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, when she ends up, like, getting hurt later on, it's completely her fault. And, like, no one else's. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, like I said, it's been a long time, but... Edgar Wright, I think all of his movies for me have always, like, hit. Like I've said earlier, this wasn't my first Edgar Wright movie I've ever seen. I think Hot Fuzz was probably the first one. That's, like, the second one in the Coronero trilogy. Um, what's the third one? At World's End. Okay, I've seen that one. That's uh-huh. where they, like, go through, through all the pubs, right? Yeah. I've seen that one. I've never seen Hot Fuzz. You've never seen Hot Fuzz? No. Hot Fuzz is great. You would actually like that one. Okay. But, yeah, so I watched this one. I think I watched At World's End. Was that, like, came out, like, early 2010s? Uh, I want to say that one came out more when we were in high school, probably. 
Yeah, it's like 2010. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I think I seen it uh, maybe around like 2011, 2012. Okay. That was like around the time I came out. That's where my brain's mm-hmm. spinning for me. Yeah, and he's also made other movies such as Baby Driver. Um, and he made Scott Pilgrim. It's probably his most well-known movie that he's made. Yeah, and I think those two, personally for me, are way better yeah. than this movie and At World's End. Well, it's it's funny that you say that because both of those movies, I agree, are way better. But in this movie, you can see his unique directing style and how it started and how it's evolved throughout his life. Um, especially the quick shots. Like whenever he, someone goes to pee or does something, it's like the quick, like, whoosh, whoosh, and then like the sound effects. And he perfects that. I think in Scott Pilgrim is where it's like peak perfection. It's so good in Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, very snappy movements, like yeah. montage like, but yeah. like they don't focus too long on things. Mm-mm. So like when they prepare and they do shit, it's like show this, show that, show that, bam, put them all together really quick. Yeah. And then, you know, now you get the gist of what just happened. And I think what makes it funny is even though it's it seems like a very like action movie style of quick cuts, quick montages, but it ends up leading up to nothing really that special. It's just, like, them sitting on a couch or something. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what I really like about his directing style. I think it's very energetic. And he also does a lot with music. Oh, yeah. Uh, His his picks for music are very, uh, very good. They really set the tone. Definitely. The, um... The one in this movie for sure has to be when at the end of towards the end of the movie where they're at the pub and the Queen song is playing yeah. and they're whacking that zombie and they're like keeping in rhythm with the uh, music. Yeah, that was pretty good. I like that. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Shaun of the Dead was probably one of his earliest movies, if not his first movie he directed. Yeah. Uh, also, the song choice for when they're in the car and it's that very heavy metal song. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know that song, mm-hmm. but the song fit very well because he has a car that seats four comfortably, yeah. maybe five, now cramming, what, four in the back, three in the front, yeah. and then they have this loud song and everyone's talking over each other, so yeah. it's like very chaotic, and it just gets that like point across. It's very chaotic, and even though this movie is more comedic in nature, there are some elements that add some stress. Throughout the entire movie, it's either... There's constant noise in the background that's not just, like, people screaming or, like, cars running, but it's, like, noise that is purposely there to cause unease. Like, there's a cell phone ringing uh, towards the beginning of the movie that no one picks up, and it rings for, like, a solid three minutes. Uh, there's We could always hear, like, ambulances, like, sirens in the background. Yeah. Or cars beeping. There's always some, like, noise pollution there. And I think that's, like, kind of clever. I noticed that, that this time around a lot more. Probably have the movie on way louder than normal, but I know I picked up on those little things where it's like, oh my god, I just want them to like turn off that like car horn. It's like turn, like someone pick up that cell phone. Yeah, it's it kind of has like that whole thing where like you're just trying to like do something else, mm-hmm. and the outside world is interrupting. Yeah, but like none of the characters pay attention to those noises because they're all like in their own world, and I don't know if that's because they are all self centered. And, like, care about, like, themselves. Like, they, like, argue amongst themselves. And, um, like, the mom is off on her own world. 
Like, she says it several times. She's like, oh, I'm somewhere else, dear. And then Ed's always, like, on his phone or, like, doesn't really care or, like, understand, the, like, the gravity of the situation around him. Yeah, uh, Ed is a literal man-child. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, Sean is, I don't know, a very weird protagonist. Because I don't care about him at all. No. Because he is, like, just, like, a problem. Yeah. Constantly, you know? he, But, like, he, you know, he grows a little bit from it. A little bit. But, like, there really wasn't much to grow from what he did. He was just, like, a shitty boyfriend. Yeah. You know? Sean's one of those dudes that... I don't know if you're totally meant to 100% back him on everything, because he does do a lot of mistakes. Okay. And he's one of those guys that's, like... Yes, Ed is the main reason for a lot of his, like, behavioral issues, I would say. It's, Ed's one of those childhood friends that Sean can just not drop. And he keeps him around because, that, like, I don't know if it's, like, familiarity or, like, comfort. But it's obviously not good for him. And everyone around him his entire life is telling him, you need to drop this guy. Yeah. Like, he's, like, just holding you back. But I also think he's there as, like, for someone, for Sean to, like basically scream at later and put all his blame on one character even though that's just like a very like douchey thing to do is like to blame someone else for your own failures yeah because uh sean says he's 29 in the movie yeah 28 he's 29 so like you know he's about to hit 30s now nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with not having your shit together in your 30s but Mm -hmm. like uh basically his big thing not having his shit together is re- constantly still having this one friend around yeah who's not really a friend like ed has n- looked like never has done anything for sean except just kind of be that like friend to get drunk with yeah and that's not you know if that's your only thing it's like that's not a friend yeah and they like they talk about that throughout the movie right where um the the flatmate pete says that like, he's kind of funny sometimes, but the last time he was actually funny was five years ago. <laughs> like, so, it's like, so, like, Sean, like, anytime he's, like, going to, like, defend him, mm-hmm. uh, they point out, it's like, yeah, that's a good defense, but it doesn't happen all the time, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, he's so reliable. He goes, well, yeah, he was reliable that one time, yeah. you know? Or, like, yeah, it's like I said, he was funny that one time. Though, one thing that this time around watching this movie is, I remember watching this for the first time when I was pretty young i want to say like middle school towards high school and thinking oh my god like that's funny like they're all like middle-aged adults like not getting their life together that's so funny and like now watching this as a 27 year old being like oh my god i'm only like two years younger than shot is <laughs> at least i don't spend my like nights every every night at the same pub you know but yeah and that's like that's kind of funny so like um i, I knew people at one point mm-hmm. who were like that's all they did was go to the bar. Yeah. You know? And it was one of those, I was like, oh, I would love to go to the bar every night, but mm-hmm. I don't have money to do that. And then I realized, I was like, oh, thank God I don't have the money to do that because yeah. that's such a terrible habit, you know? Oh, yeah. Just how you said with uh, Sean keeping Ed around, he's a very, like, comfortable, familiar figure. Mm-hmm. The bar is exactly that. It's comfortable, familiar. You know everybody. Oh, yeah. And it's like, why branch out? And it also seems like, Maybe they're the kind of people that have just tabs at the bar that they never pay. And it's just like every night it's like, put on my tab, put on my tab. And so it ends up being just like this $1,000 tab that they've never paid. 
Yeah. Uh, fun fact: One time in college, me and my roommate went out, and I and our tab was like twenty some dollars, uh-huh. and the girls next to us uh, were signing their uh, bill, and they like put it down. And my roommate looked over, and he went, "Holy shit!" And he, he took a picture, and I think it was fifteen hundred dollars. Jeez. And it was just so many rounds of shots. Oh, my God. And I was like, how did they not die? Yeah. Oh. I was like, one shot at, like, a college bar is, like, $4, $5. Mm-hmm. So, this is an idea. I might miss a sorority, but. So, like, we've, like, talked about the bar. I feel like the the pub in itself is, like, its own character. Because it's, uh, it's the Winchester, right? And that's, like, the thing that throughout the movie in the beginning and even towards the end and it's actually like the finale of the movie it all takes place around this one like mystical place in their eyes where like it's safe they know it it's basically a second home to them and it ends up like at the end when you see that it's actually not a safe place it's kind of funny because it alludes to like their fantasy of like this is like life right and like this is like the comfort it's all ends up crashing down literally in front of them <laughs> yeah so um one big thing for sean and mm-hmm. his ex-girlfriend liz yes is that he just takes her to the bar every mm-hmm. every time he gets the chance to and she points out like oh wait why don't we go somewhere like just us because mm-hmm. he always brings ed which then she always brings her roommates yeah which i i guess i kind of understand the argument yeah because uh, you don't want to just be a third wheel. Yeah, essentially. Uh, a third wheel in the bromance, if you will. Yeah. And uh, that's where we meet uh, her flatmates, uh, David and Diana. Yeah. And immediately we get, like, an argument. Uh, they're, uh, so we have David, who is a yes man to Liz, mm-hmm. even though he's dating Diana. I never understood if they were dating or if they were just friends. I think they were. I think they're dating. Because, I think you're right. Because I think Di says, uh, "Like, oh, you are only with me to get closer to Liz." Yeah. When Liz didn't like, kind of like rejected you so many yeah. years ago. So like, Dave is there for Liz always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Diana wants to get with Sean, because she mm-hmm. kind of like, kind of like towards like when they're at the Winchester mm-hmm. later on after the apocalypse starts, she's kind of like. Oh, I agree with Sean. I like Sean. Yeah. But then, like, when David gets torn to shreds, she mm-hmm. just kind of goes into the horde after him. Yeah. So, so she still loves David. I guess. But it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> so what do you think about those two characters, David and Diana? I don't like them. No? Like, as characters, like, yeah, like, they fit the shitty yeah. vibe of every character, but I don't like them. Like, I, I'm not rooting for them or anything. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Daya's almost like I maybe she's savable because she's not terrible. She's kind of just ditzy. Yeah, she's savable until the point where she just throws herself into a zombie apocalypse horde. Yeah. And then I'm like, you're an idiot. Yeah, but David's just like, oh my god, he's so aggravating throughout the entire movie. Yeah, because he constantly is trying to point out all of Sean's flaws. Yeah. Which... He just has, like, his own flaws. Like, he's, like, a limp dick nerd. Yeah. You know, he, like, won't jump in to help. 
Mm-mm. He constantly is complaining. Yeah. He's constantly wanting to take charge. But then when the opportunity arises for him to take charge, mm-hmm. everyone just shuts him down because he's just, like, still talking about Sean. Yeah. Yeah. He, when he ends up breaking that window at the Winchester, it's like, uh, like, you obviously have not thought any of this through. <laughs> yeah. He's only there because, like, he didn't want to be left alone. The, um, the basic, like, premise of the movie is just, like, another typical zombie survival movie, which is influenced by, even in name, the Dawn of the Dead, or, like, Night of the Living Dead, very, like, George A. Romero-esque. How do you feel about the zombies in this movie compared to, like, other zombies that you are familiar with? Um, they're, they're pretty much along the lines of just, like, shambler, like, zombies. Like, they're slow, uh, there's no, like, specialness to them, if that makes sense. Now, granted, like, I don't like when they make the undead, like, crazy with, like, Mm -hmm. a ton of stuff. Like, unless it's done, like, 28 days and 20 weeks later, Mm -hmm. it's cool. You have, like, the runners, because they're not really zombies. They're, like, this infected subcategory bullshit, uh... But I don't like when, like, zombies are, like, portrayed in, like, various lights that don't, you know, I guess, like, consistency issue. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're zombies, they're zombies. But then if they're going to try to be like, oh, but they could do this. It's like, okay, well, then you need to explain a little bit. Yeah. But this, they don't do anything special. They're just there. They want to eat you. That's it. Yeah, the zombies in this movie, it's, um... Pretty traditional? I would say, yeah, pretty traditional. Especially if you are, like, um, comparing them to the older, like, George A. Romero zombies at, and such. But it's kind of weird to imagine someone actually being killed by these zombies. Because there are multiple points in the movie where, like, when Sean is trying to get them away from the Winchester. And he's just running, but he can't run that fast because there's so many around him. So he's, like, walking through them and they're not just ripping him to shreds. At that point, it's like, I get it. It's like, it's more like a comedic, like, moment or hero-esque moment. But it's just weird how, like, non-violent these zombies are at points. But then at other points, they are more aggravated. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if it's because, like, the horde was smaller when Sean ran through it versus when they pulled David out the window. Yeah. But, yeah, very inconsistent. But also, like, it's, it's a part comedy movie. Mm-hmm. So... You also have to, like, dispend some more mm-hmm. belief just because, like, you have to let these characters do X, Y, or Z to move mm-hmm. the plot along. Because if not, they'd always die. Yeah. Like, immediately. Did you, um... So, this movie's been around for a while. If there's one thing that people love to talk about with this movie, and I, I want to know if you picked it up this time around or if you already knew it. That basically they spoil the entire movie in the beginning of the movie. Have you heard about that? Uh, what do you mean spoil the whole movie? It is when... Sh- it's when Sean and Ed are at the Winchester and they're talking to each other. After um, he gets broken up with. And let's, I, I want to see if I can like, actually find the exact quote. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I know what it necessarily is. But basically what um, what Ed tells Sean is like, okay, here's what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, we're going to have a Bloody Mary. And that's the first thing you see is there's a girl in the garden called Mary. And she gets bloody. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Then they say, then we'll go and get a bite at the king's head, which is Philip, because he gets bitten. And then he's like, then we're going to go get ourselves a couple princesses, which is when they go rescue Liz. And then we'll come right back here at the Winchester for some shots. And that's when they get the, sh- the, the Winchester gun. That's pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They say that a couple times where it's like, um, I think they say to a character, next time I see you, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah, and they then, do a lot of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And that's what, like, they, <laughs> I'm surprised at how much they do it in this movie. I think, like, almost every other character, it's like they foreshadow what's going to happen to them. Uh, the kid with the soccer ball, when he hits Sean, and Sean turns to him, is like, you're dead. And then the next day he sees him, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, or when the uh, the teen at the at his job, I think he says, "I'm like, don't you want to like do something with your life, or you're just gonna end up being like this like like soulless thing?" And at the end of the movie, we see him like pushing credit, like pushing carts as a zombie. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's kind of funny where it's um they they even allude to um Ed turning into a zombie towards the end of the movie, where it's like I don't know exactly what they say, but it's like something along the lines like put him in like the shack or something <laughs> oh yeah i think pete says like all you are good for is just to go live in the shed yeah <laughs> and he, and he ends up living in the shed mm-hmm. and that's one of those things where it's like if you're ever going down the rabbit hole of like cinema youtube or it's like people love to dissect that about Shaun of the dead where it's like look how creative this guy is and it's like they basically spoil the entire movie right from the beginning it's the same thing where it's like in uh the thing where if you know Swedish, they also spoil the whole thing. Where it's like, stop, don't, stop, kill that dog. It's not really a dog. It's an alien. It's such a shape. Yeah. So it's like if you knew Swedish, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> they just spoil the entire movie. <laughs> and it's one of those that's like, that's what rewatching Shot on the Dead as much as like um, other people do. It's like you pick up on all of those like little hints and clues throughout the movie. Gotcha. Never knew about that. A point mm-hmm. point for that. Yeah, that's just one of those things where it's like I just remember about this movie because um I watch a lot of like video essays on YouTube. <laughs> and it's like that's one of the things that people really like talking about this. Um one thing that happens throughout this movie that I really wanna see more of and we don't get a chance to see it is Yvonne's crew. Because it seems like it's like the exact parallels of Sean's crew, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's funny, because basically it's just like, Sean and her are gender swapped. Yes. And then, of course, whoever they're dating is mm-hmm. is opposite. But then, like, when they all go past each other, they're, mm-hmm. like, wearing, like, the same outfits. Like, basically, yeah. So, it is funny. It's just like, uh, there, there are other people out there having the same adventure, basically. Basically. And I remember watching it Oh, a lot younger, me thinking that was a reference to something, I was like, are they part of, a, like, another movie? Or, like, are they part of a show? And I could never get, like, the right answer. Because it almost seems like it's, like, in your face. It's like you're supposed to know who these people are. And I don't know if it's just because they're cameos from, like, other com- British comedians. Oh, maybe. But I always, like, looked into it. I was like, maybe it's something more, more deep. Or maybe it's, like... A hint at a spin-off movie or something. Yeah, I think if they ever did want to do anything, they would. That'd be like the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like a little too late. 
yeah to do like a, it's been years so it's like doing a spin-off movie taking place mm-hmm. at the same time won't work i do like all, almost all of those actors though in that like little cameo uh martin freeman was like the one that pops up the most and then um the dude from british bake-off yeah i love him yeah i know him more from like little britain and stuff as far as like the plan of ignoring the newscasters on TV and basically being like, that twat doesn't know anything. Like, let's go do our own thing. If you were in this, like, situation, how do you think you would fare? Would you, like, stay indoors or? Oh, that's tough because, like, so, like, I could just kind of, like, relate it back to, like, COVID. Mm -hmm. Like, no one knew what the fuck was going on with COVID. Mm -hmm. And so they basically were like, stay home Mm -hmm. don't go anywhere you know so like i think before like lockdown hit it was one of those like oh i'm gonna go to the store and try to buy stuff yeah not hoard but just try to buy like the essentials just to like chill at home basically Mm -hmm. and uh i don't know i would kind of just like because like obviously covid didn't knock out like power lines and news stations didn't go down and stuff like that but, I don't know, it'd be tough. I think I'd kind of listen to what was going on, but I would look at more than just, like, the news. Okay. You know, like, I would talk to people, be like, yo, have you been out there? Like, what's going on? And then I think I'd just go from there. I don't know if I would try to, like, leave immediately. Gotcha. Just because you just get all those, uh, all those moments in, like, these, like, apocalypse movies. Everyone's trying to leave town. Yeah. And uh, you get stuck in heavy traffic. And I feel like that's just a death sentence waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. So I would rather be anywhere but the highway. What do you, What about, like, uh, would you seek, like, loved ones, even though you knew it was, like, very treacherous? Or would you be more in the mindset of, like, I gotta get out of here? Um, I guess it would all depend, really. Like, where, where we live currently, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I feel like this isn't, like, a terrible area. Mm-hmm. But if I was living in, like, a city city, I gotta get out of there. Yeah. Like, I think even with, like, COVID, I knew a lot of people who lived in, like, New York mm-hmm. and Philly, and they are like, I gotta get out of here. Because, yeah. like, it's too clumped. So yeah. it's like, being here, it's a little spacious. Still a lot of people. But, like, at least I'm not, like, living on top of somebody else. Yeah, and... See, I agree with you, and I feel like most people would do that, but I think most people also want to think... That they would be a hero and, like, basically become Sean. Oh, God, no. And even though, like, Sean is a loser, he... And even though we have said that, like, we hate most of the characters, I still think, in a way, most of the characters are relatable in some way. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) They're, They're relatable, but the thing that they, like, harp on the most is a very frustrating aspect of people. Yeah. And that... But that's what... It's, like, people are just frustrating, like, to deal with on, like, a daily basis. Yeah, so then imagine putting them in a zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because most zombie movies, it's, like, it's very, it's categorized as, like, either they're very heroic and almost, like, a white knight where they have no flaws, or they're, like, the scum of the earth, and they're complete villains and only seeking out for themselves. Like, a lot of times there aren't very, like, middle-grounded people where it's just, like, that are flawed people in this, like, fuck situation, and they're just, like, dealing what they are. Like, 
they don't know what's going on, so obviously they're going to turn on each other, and they're going like, to start arguing because, like, no one has an actual plan. And I think that's what makes this movie semi-frustrating, at least the characters, because we don't want to recognize it as, like, ourselves in a way, but it's, like, that's all we can see is, like, how if you were in your group of, like, family or your group of friends, if, like, you could almost imagine, like, your family members in this situation being like, oh, my God, that's my aunt. Or, like, that's, like, so-and-so or that's so-and-so. Yeah, I could see that. But um, hopefully I don't have anyone like Ed in my group. Yeah. I feel like I know some people like Ed. Whereas, like, even if, like, in those situations they're, like, just, like, taking phone calls or, like, don't really care about anything else going on in the world. Yeah, so... I don't know. I feel like that's a tough one. I would be like, no, I would not be able to deal with that at all. Mm-mm. I, I've, other than, like, Ed just being there for, like, to frustrate us, frustrate us as an audience, why do you think they, like, made them so frustrating? I think it's kind of like, uh, I think it more has to deal with uh, Sean's character. Oh, okay. So you think he's more, just there? More than Ed's character. Because, like, the movie, you know, is it's Sean's the main character, mm-hmm. obviously, but uh, like Sean has to go through like two kind of like, uh, I'd say like not redemptions, but like he has to change in two ways for two different people. Mm-hmm. He has to he really wants Liz as a girlfriend still, and he has to change aspects about that, keeping a promise, yeah, uh, not always just like defaulting to whatever Ed wants to do, yeah. So, like, he kind of does that a bit because he d- does have that moment of, like, he snaps on Ed, which is where he kind of, like, grows up a bit. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like that's why he's so insufferable mm-hmm. and, like, annoying is just kind of, like, to harp on, like, Sean needs to get rid of him. Yeah. But he never does. No. But he does it in, like, but, like, you know, you, you can still have your drinking buddies, but that cannot ruin your life. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, like, the ending we get with Sean. Is he finds a happy medium between who he wants to be with mm-hmm. and who he wants to hang out with. Yeah, almost like that ending is like, I I I like how they um they show us that's like he's with Liz now, and it's not like he's like completely did one eighty where he's they're going on adventures and like trying out these whole other things. It's just like they do more than they than they used to, but they still hang out at the pub for a couple of hours. Yeah, because so, I think Liz kind of like accepted part of Sean's mm-hmm. routine because like you know in a relationship it's two you know it's a two-way street yeah and you know like Liz was like you know so much about like oh Sean what are we doing mm-hmm. you know and then you know maybe she didn't really have an idea at yeah. all so she just kind of like defaulted with him but like like you said they do more now and stuff Oh, that's interesting that you say that because Liz is the one at the end of the movie that makes the plans. Yeah. It's not Sean. Yeah. And then, but I also like how, even though he has this new life looking, like, to look forward to in the end, he still has these skeletons in the closet, literally, which is, like, Ed in the shed. Yeah. I I do like that. I I thought that was, probably that's, like, one of, like, the funnier Mm -hmm. things at the end of the movie is, like, what they do with the zombies. Mm -hmm. Like... They don't kill all of them, or a mm-hmm. nuke doesn't drop, or they find a cure. Instead, they just find a way to kind of, like, reintroduce them back into society. Mm-hmm. And we get to see, like, all the TV channels go through. Like, oh, yeah. Because, like, at the start of the movie, 
Sean is a like he's working retail. He's selling like TV packages or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he goes through and he goes like, oh, you have like entertainment, and then you have this one, and then he's like, and then you have the news, the mm-hmm. news, the news, yeah. the news, and then we get that same exact. Uh, like go through the channels, but now all talking about what happened. Yeah, and we get the game show with zombies. Yeah, we got like the uh, almost the, like the Jerry Springer show. He, yeah, but it's like the ghost. He's like, I still love him. Mm-hmm. He's like undead. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of cool how they did that. Where it's uh, it's not as bleak as other zombies end up being. This one's more of a uh, I I guess realistic thing, where to compare it to like our life now post-COVID or I guess COVID is still going on but it's like post everyone freaking out it's like now it's like memes are th- happening like there's like South Park episodes on like how people freak out on COVID and it's like and it's like it's still always gonna be there to some degree mm-hmm. but you know cause you never can just get rid of something yeah. that like changes the world but we as like a society has just adapted and learned to like persevere yeah i don't want to say like love covid but like we learn to accept and like see the the light on like the dark side you know yeah i get you it, it's weird it's like i don't know it's have you ever seen dr strange love i have i had to watch it for uh high school where it's like that was like dr strange love or how we learn to like love like the nuclear bomb yeah <laughs> which is like kind of what it reminds me it's like even though it's like this thing where it's like it's unavoidable. It's happening. It's very dire in nature. But you still find, like, comedic moments in life. Yeah. It's, like, uh, it's some of the best way to go through trauma is to laugh at it. Oh, yeah. And that's what I think this movie does very well as a parody. Which, parodies are one of those genres where, no matter if it's music parodies or movie parodies, it's just, it's either you hate it or you love it. Yeah. I, I've never met anyone who's just, like, indifferent about parodies, you know? Yeah, some parodies are done right, and then some are just, like, annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, do I think Shaun of the Dead is annoying? No, I think mm-hmm. they do it pretty well. I think I've just seen it too many times to kind of be like, mm-hmm. I want to watch that again. Because it's, it's not a comfort movie for me either, so it's mm-hmm. not something I'm like, I want to go back to. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead was one of those movies that I think just was on cable a lot, too. I can see that. I think it was, like, on, um, like, the Comedy Network. And then they were also on, like, TBS a lot. Fox played it a lot. It's one of those, like, movies that you just, like, always had on during, like, certain seasons. So I could also see this, like, just being, like, ran to the ground. Because of, like, how often it got aired. Yeah, I can see that. Um, as far as, like, how well it aged for me personally... I think a lot of the, it, if it wasn't for some of the, like, the dialogue, I think it, it still holds up to this day as, like, a zombie-esque movie. Yeah, I can see it. They don't really rely on technology that often. It is hard to believe that Sean doesn't have a cell phone throughout the movie. Yeah, interesting. Because Ed has one. Uh, I guess maybe Sean doesn't, maybe, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't have one. Yeah, I guess so. And it's one of those things where it's like early 2000s, not everyone had a cell phone. Yeah. People, there were still landlines around. Yeah, when he said to uh, Ed, uh, hey, take down everyone's message, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I remember when like uh, like school would be out and like my dad would tell me that. Yeah. Because our uh, voicemail only had 
only had enough for like five. Oh, okay. So like if like more than five people left a message, mm-hmm. I would have to go over and I have to like read all the messages. Like well, like, I guess listen to them. Yeah. And then like write them all down. Oh, that's funny. We never had. I never had to do that. Oh, I would just let the phone ring. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I was a bad kid. <laughs> well, my dad always did like uh like he he always had so many people like contacting him for like carpentry work. Mm. So like he it was like a business basically. So, gotcha. Like, it was like. My dad was like, hey, all right, you got to do this for mm-hmm. me. I was like, okay. That was fun to see, though. Uh, that's something that I was like, we'll never get again. <laughs> no. Like, really see it portrayed. It's like, just the, like, how mundane that life was. It's like, make sure to take down the messages. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that people used to do that. And, like, yeah. really relied on you to take down that message. Yeah. Because, like, if you didn't have a voicemail box and you didn't pick up, you mm-hmm. had no idea who called, why they called. Yeah. Or even if they called at all. Yeah. Man, that's that's really wild to think about. <laughs> yeah. Or like, um, it it was weird because when did when did this movie come out? Two thousand four, I believe. Holy shit. Uh yeah, two thousand four. Yeah, because when he is at work selling all of, like the CRTs mm-hmm. and stuff like that, I was looking at it going, holy god. It kind of had like that Fast and Furious moments, like oh my god, the old technology. And it's yeah, like, this was like, like the peak at the moment. Like this is it. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs one of these, and it's like they're so obsolete now. Yeah, uh, speaking about like TV or like old technology, the one thing that I think they really do very well as far as like technology goes is when they're clicking through the channels, and they still get the message across. Where it's just like. Stay indoors. People were attacking, and then they go. It's like people were dead. <laughs> like oh yeah, when he changes the channel, yeah. it still continues. Mm-hmm. It's like click, 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 and they do it. I think twice or three times throughout the movie. I really enjoy that. I like when movies do that. Yeah, I like that too. It's one of those things where it's like I think this movie did it really well. I know there's other movies that do like the same premise. I think a lot of comedies do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely a trope with comedies. Mm-hmm. Where it just ends up being like the same thing on every channel. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, I know we're jumping around a lot, but it's something that I wanted to bring up earlier is um, even though Ed and like Sean's relationship is very toxic and they're not really that good for each other, I do like it when they're alone. Because when they're alone, is where I can see the friendship really shine and how they care for each other. Yeah. I know, when they're out with other people mm-hmm. and stuff like that, it's just, like, you kind of get that, like, awkward feel. Like, you're yeah. like, are they really friends? Or, like, oh, I don't I, like them together. It makes me think, like, maybe Ed's jealous. Like, it's, like, Sean has always been, like, his best mate, and now that he has, like, a girlfriend and these other two people are hanging around, he, like, is acting out like a child for attention because when they're alone at the house it's like they kind of care for each other and they're like he's the one that's like uh no you gotta go risk your mom or Liz he's like are you gonna listen to that man on the TV or are you gonna like do like like what you think is right okay yeah alright I could see that and it's not and it's at the end of the movie when like everyone's there that Ed's just completely disconnected and he's yeah. like on his phone. He's not even talking to Sean anymore. No. So it's like that contrast of like him being there for him and being like, don't worry, man, we got this. And then it's towards like basically already a zombie. 
non-existent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. A little deep. A little deep cut. Yeah, while well, I was staring at these pictures of both of them, and I was like, oh, yeah, they do, like, when they're alone or together, just without anyone else, I was like, they are, they do click. Yeah. Like, I guess it explains why when uh, he meets back up with uh, Yvonne and her group, mm-hmm. how the Ed characters are all the way in the back. Yeah. Yeah, because they're like, he, he's no longer Sean's main concern. Yeah. And, like, you can see, like, the relevancy of, like, how concerned he is for Ed with all the people in between. <laughs> yeah. Huh. A little... Damn. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Barbara. I want to talk about Barbara because she is... She's a very sweet character. She is the sweet mom. She is the sweet mom. Uh, but I don't like how... <sighs> I've met people like this where it's like... They're very nice, but they're almost too nice for their own good. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't want to be mean to them, but because, like, they're so nice, but it's like, sometimes the things they do are just so frustrating that you want to yell. Yeah. Um, I would say she, she's not exactly, like, okay, she is very nice, but she's not, like, the main reason why she's frustrating is that she's nice. She's, because she's, uh, airhead-like. Yeah. That's the, because, like, I think we all know someone who's very floaty Mm -hmm. almost not like part of every single conversation but they're being talked to yeah and they're like oh what or oh i zoned out Mm -hmm. and it's like the people who like do that like so much is like that's so frustrating i get it if you're getting distracted you have an off day Mm -hmm. but there's people like that like all the time and it's so annoying do you think she's airheaded because that's just who she is or do you think she's like traumatized i think she's traumatized because it, it's it, when they rescue her, it's almost like she doesn't want to acknowledge the zombies around her. Yeah. Well, I think it also she doesn't want to acknowledge a lot of things. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to acknowledge that Philip and Sean don't get along. Yeah. You know, because she kind of jokingly goes like, no fighting you two. Yeah. You know, and then when she kind of gets mad at Sean, like it could get swept under the rug so quick because he goes mm-hmm. like, how about that tea, mom? And yeah. And like she goes and makes tea because she wants it all to be happy she's very much she wants to sweep everything under the rug yeah the one part where i just i feel bad but at the same time it's just like it's all on her is it's when they're running away and they're going through everyone's backyards and she's like oh i think so and so live around here and she sees the zombie in the the house and she's the one that opens that door (laughs) to talk to them and it's like I can't tell if she's just supposed to be this stupid or she is really in so much denial. Because she even moves really fast when, like, they leave Philip behind. She, yeah, I I feel like... I don't know. Like, I feel like she would have harped on the whole, like, Philip in the mm-hmm. car thing. Yeah, like, she would have, like, kept saying, like, we can't leave him. We have to go back for him. Because even, like, die when um, fucking David gets taken by the zombies... She goes, like, a little hysterical and goes after him. But Barbara doesn't. She's just like, okay, I guess we're leaving now. Yeah. It almost feels like it's like it almost feels like she has, like, dementia or something. Yeah, she could have dementia. Mm-hmm. It looks like it. Yeah, and it's something that they don't explore that much in the movie because I get it. It's, like, it's too much or, like, too deep, too deep of a topic to get into. Yeah. But it, it's just a lot of things that she does that don't necessarily... 
like, make sense to me, at least. And, like, I have a really hard time feeling, like, sad. Or, like, when she dies at the end, it's like, I feel sad for Sean, but I don't necessarily feel sad for Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, like, I feel I, I feel bad that he lost his mom. Mm-hmm. But... As a person, Barbara didn't offer anything to the group anyway. Yeah. And to the story, is she just kind of like one of those, like, things for Sean, now he has to deal with mm-hmm. this on top of it, you know? I always do say, like, people losing someone very close to them or mm-hmm. someone that they really care about really changes them. Yeah. And honestly, if Barbara didn't die, Sean mm-hmm. might not have changed for the better... Yeah. Might change for the worse. I think so. So, maybe one of those things, like a silver lining amongst all the shit. Because everyone that dies as close to Sean are things of his past that he is not necessarily that happy about. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he likes visiting his mom that often. No. Or Philip. No. Uh, his flatmate, Pete, is some guy who is always like harping on him and calling him a loser because of hanging out with Ed. And Ed's just, like, the worst. So everyone that's close to him and, like, all of his loved ones, when they die off, it's almost like <laughs> they, it really is just baggage getting thrown off the plane and, like, making it way lighter and easier for Sean to, like, take off. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the only two that make it in the end is Sean and Liz. Yeah, and Liz is the only one that's truly, like... She is nagging, but really looks like she wants something better in for both of them, not just for him. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, uh, going back to how the movie kind of like uh, hints at what's going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, Yvonne and Sean run into each other before the apocalypse starts. Yeah. And Yvonne is kind of like the female Sean mm-hmm. a bit. I guess they kind of have like similar sounding names a bit if you say it quick. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, like, how are you doing? And she goes like, yeah, you know, I bought a place. And, mm-hmm. and he and he gets, like, stunned, but, like, bought. He goes, yeah, it's kind of like an adult thing to do, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you know, she's, like, joking with it and stuff like that. And uh, she says to him, like, oh, are you still at Liz or whatever? And he says, yeah. And he goes, oh, I'm glad someone made it. Oh. And then she says this line later on when her entire group is dead. Yeah. She says again, well, I'm glad someone made it. Yeah. So she kind of hinted that, you know, do you think those two are going to make it. Do you think her group is dead? Or they're oh, like... 100%. Yeah? Because like, she says again, you know, she was like... Because I think Sean even says, like, just you or whatever. Oh, uh, okay. Cause yeah. Because she said, like, oh, they're taking us somewhere safe. I think it's, like, the military. Oh, okay. That's not gotcha. her group anymore. That would make sense. Yeah. So even though, like, they're both, um, like, opposites of each other, and, like, she's supposed to be, like, the more successful one, they both almost lost everyone. Yeah. And I think it, it was different because uh, when they re-meet back up, mm-hmm. uh, Yvonne's introducing her group to Sean's group, mm-hmm. and goes, oh, Liz, his girlfriend, and then I don't know who says it, but someone's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, they broke up. Yeah. David says it. And so, I think Yvonne and her boyfriend are together. Yeah. So, maybe because they were together, mm. he, she loses him, and then, like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's a that's a really cool thought experiment right there. Um, one thing that I'm very surprised by, uh, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is the one who plays Sean. I'm very surprised 
at how emotional he could get. Yeah. When he cries in this movie, I tear up. Because he plays it really hard. <laughs> yeah. When he's crying in the bar. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's one of the more funnier scenes. Mm-hmm. Not because he's crying, just because Ed. Yeah. <laughs> is trying to cheer him up the best he can mm-hmm. and it's just like not working and yeah. it, it, it's one of those like times where it's like someone's trying to cheer you up and it's like just stop mm-hmm. and but yeah oh my god his face it's is so sad so sad and the tears are just falling out of his mm-hmm. eyes and I'm, I'm very taken aback at like how emotional he can get like just gets uh when he is in the car and he's just telling like ed to shut the fuck up because like Philip just died, and yeah. he's getting super emotional. That hurt. Uh, I think when the mom dies, that's where I was just like, Jesus Christ! Like, what is this? This just got a total tone shift out of nowhere. Yeah. So I think yeah, he does a great job portraying this character, mm-hmm. but I still don't like this character. No. No. Like, like I feel for him. I mm-hmm. think just like you said, you could see a bit of yourself in every character or like mm-hmm. picture. But, like, you know, just like I said, you know, these, these like, uh, tropes are really harshly played on. And I'm just like, I don't really care for any of these characters. Yeah, that's fair, though. I don't know if, like, the characters are supposed to, like, really, really care too much about them since they all end up dying. Yeah, yeah, because, like, it, because, like, David and Di and Barbara, they feel like the cannon fodder mm-hmm. in horror movies. Like, they're just there for a kill. Yeah. But then they're not almost yeah i guess david is david's there for a really sick kill yeah but the other two are his you know david's the goriest kill yeah it, it's actually like so like that's one of like the most uncomfortable things in zombie movies mm-hmm. for me is when they like tear at the middle mm-hmm. of someone i always get like so like like cringed out with mm-hmm. that yeah and this one is like they go pretty hardcore yeah. they show you everything they don't cut away yeah they don't and i guess it's like Maybe that's, that's like, the one kill that Edgar Wright was. Like, we need, like, at least one gore kill. It's, it is a horror movie, after all. Yeah, because uh, they shoot Barbara in the head. Die. She dies off screen. She gets just taken into the horde. We don't see her again. Yeah, and then Ed dies in the cellar. Yeah, we don't see that happen either. Yeah, so, yeah, they definitely needed one. They're like, oh, if it's a zombie movie, you gotta show one. Yeah, I guess there was that merry girl who, um fell on the pipe yeah that was just a cool effect with the hole in the yeah, middle yeah that was over. a cool shot I like that a lot This that's what this movie has is just like a lot of really cool shots and like story wise it's not like the best story in the world but I think it does enough for me to like still want to come back to it every now and then yeah I um I don't think I would come back to it mm-hmm. I think pretty okay but I wouldn't be like oh we're watching this again mm-hmm. I, I think I'd just be more inclined to, like, maybe pull up my phone. <laughs> gotcha. It is one of those... It, it is a very casual movie, too, though. Yeah, so I don't feel like I have to, like, invest myself in every mm-hmm. second. Yeah. And it's part of that um, unofficial Coronetal trilogy. So So you say, like, the trilogy. So, like, are the movies all connected? They're not connected, per se, but they are part of a unofficial trilogy. Because in each movie, um, the thing that ties them together is the Coronetal uh, ice cream that um, Ed eats in the beginning of the movie okay. where he's like w- do you want anything from the shop and he's like oh a Coronetto and that's like the thing and then like it keeps coming back in each movie is it a real ice cream brand it is a real ice cream brand oh okay 
Yeah. And it's just like it's a it's one of those things where it's um you know like District Nine, Chappie and Elysium, that's also an unofficial trilogy. Oh, okay. So they're all by made by like the same creator and have like similar vibes, but they're not connected story wise. Oh, okay. But you could see them in like the same universe kind of. Gotcha. Yeah. It's one of those things. Okay. Um if you ever get a chance to watch Hot Fuzz, I definitely recommend it because Hot Fuzz feels like Shaun of the Dead, but Edgar Wright actually like starts figuring out exactly what works and what doesn't work. And he like cuts a lot of the bullshit out and like Simon Pegg in that movie is more like a uh, like a grizzly cop. And Ed plays more of like the comedic role instead of having both of them trying to be like dumb comedic role. So it's like a straight and like man and like a comedic like guy. Okay. Yeah, I really enjoy that movie. But um other than that, I think that's all I really want to talk about with this movie. So let's take a break and then we'll hit up the trivia. <clears throat> and welcome back to some trivia. So Here's some. Uh, George A. Romero, creator of the movies to which this movie pays homage and lampoons, was so impressed with Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright's work that he asked him to cameo in Land of the Dead as zombies. Oh. Have you ever seen Land of the Dead? I have not. I, that's like with. That's cool. It's, it has John Leguizamo in it. Uh, have you seen any of the of the Dead series? Uh, Dawn of the Dead is the one in the mall, right? Yeah, there's the Zack Snyder remake and then the original one. Yeah, I think I've seen both. Okay. Uh, uh, fuck. What are the other ones? Night uh, of the Living Dead is the original one. Yeah, I've seen, like, maybe some of it. Okay. The black and white one. Yeah. And, I re- and it was, like, very, like... It's, like, all in one house. Yeah, and, like, the main character's black, and mm-hmm. that was very, like, a big thing back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Yes, and that's part, that's like the first trilogy. Oh, okay. And then uh, I think Land of the Dead is the fourth one, and then it goes on. But Land of the Dead is really fun. It's one of those movies that people love to hate on, but I think it's enjoyable enough to like put on in the background. Okay. I like the premise. It's about like it's all in the same universe where it's like twenty years after Land of the Living Dead. There's still zombies around, and, like, the rich are living in these, like, giant skyscrapers, and, like, everyone else is, like, living in, like, this ghetto, basically. Hmm. Um, when asked by an interviewer why they chose to have slow-moving zombies instead of running zombies, Simon Pegg simply replied, because death is not an energy drink. Shit. (laughs) Sean tells Liz that he's going to take her to that place that does all the fish. When he opens the phone book, you can see that the restaurant is literally called... Fulci's Restaurant, the place that does all the fish. Lucio Fulci is a director well-known for his zombie movies in the Italian giallo genre. The giallo uh, genre is so fun. Really? Italian horror is so... That's like malignant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fun because it's so strange. Hmm. I never got really into like Italian horror... Uh, Malignant's probably the only thing I've seen of it. Yeah, it, if you like Malignant, like, you could definitely look up more into the genre. Okay. Hmm. Maybe. I, I know there's a movie called, like, I think it's literally just called Italian Horror Movie. I want to check that one out. Uh, just when Sean is exiting the corner shop, which is 
tuned to a radio station playing songs from Indian movies. The song stopped and a new caster began speaking in Hindi. The content of the news when translated in English is people are waking up from their graves. No. Which I do like how throughout the movie there is like hinting at like zombies. Like that's the premise, like zombies are taking over and like like there's newscasters. All like the the pedestrians are very zombie like in like the way they move and like they're waiting for the bus and stuff. That's funny. All of the newsreaders and television presenters are real people portraying themselves. I didn't know that one. That's cool. I like when they do that, like, in movies. You'll see, like, a newscaster that, like, is, like, famous. Mm-hmm. Or, like, uh, the Shark Tank people will come up and, like, they play themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Frost, Ed, allegedly kept his genitals shaved throughout the pr- production to create a genuine need to scratch that character demanded. That's so funny. I barely realized <laughs> that he was scratching his nuts constantly. He was scratching himself a lot. Un- until I read that, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, Quentin Tarantino dubbed this as one of the top 20 movies made since 1992. Damn. That's pretty cool. That's cool. And when Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg began pitching this movie, Film 4 production showed interest in it. Then Film 4 significantly cut back its budget, leaving the movie without a production company for a while. Because Wright was still hoping to get this movie made, he held off on taking other directing jobs while searching for new financing for this movie, and ended up having to borrow money from his friends. For me to take on a television job meant that I, I like that I was like pushing the film back, so I was going rapidly broke. I was like majority in the red. According to Wright, Peg still hasn't allowed him to pay back the money he owes for him. Those loan times. Oh dang, that's cool. Everyone <laughs> was like passionate about the movie, so yeah. Oh, and last bit of trivia is, according to Edgar Wright. Cornetto's appear in this movie is is because he once ate a Cornetto to get over a hangover and thought it would be funny if Ed did the same after a night of drinking. Hmm. There you go. I have never heard of the Cornetto's. Yeah, I think it might be just be like a British thing, but I've seen like ice cream similar to that here. Okay. Um. Cool. So let's go to our final thoughts, Nick. If you wanna jump in on that. Uh. Sure. Um. Shaun of the Dead. Uh. I don't want to hate on it as uh-huh. much as like I might be coming across. Uh, it is good. I do like it. It's just I don't think I want to watch it any more than I have to because I've seen it like a bunch. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, I just very surprised I did not see or pick up on some of the like uh, how like they portray the end of the movie at the mm-hmm. start. You know, like they hint to it. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but besides. Like, maybe watching it one more time for all that. <clears throat> maybe you know, a couple of years from now, let's watch it again. Yeah. If, it, if maybe I'm with someone who's never seen it, mm-hmm. that'd be fun. But, yeah, I will give Shaun of the Dead a B. A B? Yeah. Cool. B, B minus. That's a solid grade for it. Because, like, I don't hate it. I think it was good. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know... I just don't want to watch it any more than I have to. <laughs> you know, Shaun of the Dead is one of those movies that I could definitely just put on if we're having, like, a Halloween party and we need background movie without, like, any audio on. Now, sometimes people like to have just visuals, but then they have, like, music playing as well. Yeah. That's what Shaun of the Dead is because, it's like, uh, it's very, like, visually appealing to watch. Just, like, the editing and, like, how things move and stuff. It'll, like, grab your attention and stuff. 
Uh, I would give Sean a dead. I would give it like an A minus. I don't want to commit to like a, a regular A because it definitely has gone down for me in the years. But it's just hard for me not to watch this movie with like the same eyes I saw it as like a kid. Yeah. And I think it's like like I don't love too many directors where it's like I'll watch anything they ever produce. But Edgar Wright's just one of those guys that's like I'll literally watch any movie that he's make because <laughs> I know his style and I know that I'm gonna what I'm getting out of it is exactly what I'm expecting. You know. Yeah, I I guess you're right. I got like. Like, we have IMDb up right now. Mm -hmm. It's going through, like, all his movies and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, he does have, like, a very, like, specific way to shoot movies and stuff like that. But, like, yeah, they all feel different. Like, these movies, like, they're, they're, like, showing, they show, like, car chases. Mm -hmm. Like, Baby Driver to How Far They Just Show. Two different movies. Yeah. Yet, you know, here's, like, like, here's an action scene, but they both feel like two different movies, though, which is good. Because, like, I hate when it's like, oh, that feels too much like Mm -hmm. so-and-so. Or that, you know, how we just talked about, like, uh, a couple weeks ago. Like, that's very Spielberg-y of you to do, you know. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone go, like, that's too much like Edgar Wright. Yeah, and it's just one of those things that's, um... It's very hard to, like, really get a signature like his down. Where it's, like, recognizable as an Edgar Wright movie if you just walk in halfway through it. Like, if it's a new movie you've never seen before, and you walk halfway through someone else watching it, it's very easy to tell, to say, that's an Edgar Wright movie, or someone's doing a really good job of copying him. Because of, like, all, like, it's not just one thing that he does, just, that's this thing, it's, like, everything he does, where it's, like, transitions, um, the whips, like, certain comedic effects, it, it's just very him, you know? Yeah. And that's what I like about him, that's why you, like, keep coming back to all of his movies and stuff. Um, I know one movie that has, like, some essence of him still in it, even though he didn't direct it, is Ant-Man, the first one, because he wrote that movie. Oh, okay. But uh, I think Marvel at the time was too scared to let him direct, like, a Marvel movie because of, like, how unique his style is. Yeah. And Marvel likes to keep things consistent. Yeah, so that, like, when you go from one movie to the next, it's not so jarring. Yeah, but I thought that would have been really fun if he actually did drag that movie. Yeah, I think so, too, because, like, when, when you had things in, like, a series and stuff like that, mm-hmm. just like how we said, like, you can't make it feel like the last thing you yeah. just watched. You know, having something that's a bit, you know, different adds a little more tone shift. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just something, like, how you said, like, even fun to watch, like, framing and shit. Yeah. You know? But if you're not going to do that, then you're going to get bored. Exactly. Yeah, and that's one of those things that his movies just never really bore me. Um, But yeah, that was Shaun of the Dead. Very fun. Uh, Halloween, or Spooky Month, is coming to an end. Womp womp. And what a better way to end Spooky Month than with a movie literally called Halloween Ends. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, are we going to sit down and watch the two previous and do a trilogy wrap up we we can if you would like to do that yeah I think that'd be, because i feel weird just to do halloween ends halloween ends because uh i have not seen the first one but i've seen the second one the you haven't trilogy. seen the first one <laughs> yeah. oh my god okay yeah we'll definitely do that uh that'd be a cool way because then we could actually see how it progresses yeah so um 
it is a Halloween movie with Michael Myers, and mm-hmm. it's a reboot, or it's like a soft... It is like a requel. A requel. Re- where it's a reboot of the franchise, but a sequel... To the first one. So the one Halloween ends is a sequel in the reboot trilogy. But the first one, the first entry to that reboot trilogy is a sequel to the original Halloween movie. Okay. So, where they completely forget everything after the first one. Gotcha. So, um, but it takes place in one night, these three movies. Yeah, actually. Which I, I, I don't... I don't know if the third one does, but I know the first two do. Yeah, and then I because so, I think that's a very interesting way of doing this, mm-hmm. because uh, I don't know. I think that's like cool because like, it's weird because like it's like it's so much is happening. You know, yeah, like, this is all in one night. I'm like, I guess I could see it, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, so I'm kind of interested to get the full three movie frame. Yeah, it'll be it'll be cool. Um. I've tried to stay clear of reviews or too much talk about this movie, just because it's like I don't really want to spoil it for myself. Yeah, I I, I have no idea. I can't imagine it being that good. Oh yeah, like um, we watched it was Halloween Kills. Yeah. Uh, last year, and so I walked in to watch it. Uh, didn't really have too much expectations. I had fun watching it, mm-hmm. but it was very frustrating. Yeah. Which, like, that's, like, half the fun of these, like, slasher movies is the frustration, if done right. Yeah. Because you're going to have the silly moments of, like, characters just being absolutely stupid. Like, like the white people that go mm-hmm. and, you know, check out every fucking noise. Yeah. And you're like, don't do it. Have you seen all the Halloween movies? I've seen most. Okay. Um, I am in an unpopular opinion of uh, the H2O. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I'm like, that's actually not the worst thing I've ever seen. H2 was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, I I always like saying, I really like the fourth one a lot, and that's one of the ones that people fucking hate. Yeah. Um, it's weird because, like, when, just like uh, anything that has, like, a lot of entries in a series, when you mm-hmm. start to go, you're like, I like the third one. It's just like, which third one? You mm-hmm. know, like, because we have the Rob Zombie ones that are done. Mm-hmm. Uh, this new requel trilogy. We have the original trilogy. Yeah. And then you have a lot of, like, the cut-ins, too. Yep. So, like, when someone goes, I like Halloween, like, what year? Yeah, <laughs> like, which one? Which entry? Uh, I actually do like Halloween 3, uh, even though people hate it because it's not a Michael Myers movie. Yeah. Season um, of the Witch is pretty fun. Yeah, that one's very strange, but it's not, like, the worst thing I've ever seen. I think if you see it as a separate movie not part of this franchise, it's a really good Halloween movie. But if you compare it to, like, Michael Myers, I guess it's bad, because he's not in it. Yeah. <laughs> and the tone's different, but... The tone is so different. It, it's still really fun. It's a fun ride. But, uh, yeah, I like... I love the original. I know that's a oh, mm-hmm. bold, bold thing to say. Yeah. But I love that one, and I really like uh, Rob Zombie's first one he did. The first one wasn't bad. I like that one. Yeah, kind of like the, I don't know, like it, like the, the origin story. Mm-hmm. They changed up a little bit. I liked it. It was cool. I, you know what I didn't like about that origin story is that the dad's alcoholic and like alludes to like abusing Michael. I was like, I kind of like it more where Michael's just like, 
snapped one day. Yeah. No explanation why. Yeah, I like that one more just because, like, I don't know, like, kids being, like, brought up in, like, a Mm. shitty household has been done a lot. It's very easy to, like, do because a lot of people can relate to it and stuff like that. But, yeah, no, I think it's kind of, like, overdone. (laughs) Yeah, but, yeah, so join us next week as we talk about the Halloween requel trilogy. Uh, If you like what you heard, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Peace out.